Thank you for joining me today on the first episode of the Human Factor Podcast. This episode is about defining imposter syndrome. I'll share some numbers and stories and guide you through a set of questions you will ask yourself. For this, keep a pen and a piece of paper ready to jot down your answers and any information you'd like to keep. Hi, I'm Ria Hlaihel. Thank you for choosing me to be your weekly reminder on your journey to intentionally owning your success. In this podcast, I explore what constitutes the complexity of the human being and try to understand the reasons behind what people call failures. I talk about imposter syndrome, morality, and other scientific and philosophical subjects. But what matters is that I very much love people. I love to see them happy and successful. I don't think I'll ever say this enough. I love people very, very much. Okay, let's do this. To start, let's just clear one thing out. Imposter syndrome is not a fancy way to describe a lack of self-confidence and lack of self-esteem. On the contrary, lack of self-confidence and lack of self-esteem are both an expression or a mirroring of imposter syndrome. Self-esteem is about what we can or cannot do. So it is about actions. Imposter syndrome is about who we are. So it is about our identity. Let's also see what imposter syndrome is not. Imposter syndrome is not an illness. There is nothing wrong with me you, or anyone who might be suffering from it. So please repeat this with me. There is nothing wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with me. Another point is to not label ourselves or anyone else for that matter as having imposter syndrome. Labeling ourselves generates a feeling of inadequacy that has no reason to be. Let's not overthink things we are not. It's as detrimental as actually having them. Why? This is because we're internalizing them and slowly they become a part of us. We surely don't want that. And it is very important to not tell anyone, especially women, that they have imposter syndrome every time they are self-doubting. So what is imposter syndrome? It is an unconscious feeling beyond our control that we do not deserve our success, that we are not intelligent or talented, put simply that we are not enough. And these feelings persist and linger despite clear evidence that we are indeed successful. You can touch your diploma, right? It's hanging there on the wall as proof of your academic success. You can see emails coming into your inbox. You can read excellent reviews that former clients and students left on your page. Yet, you still feel like you are underdeserving. Now, let me share a secret. Imposter syndrome is a myth. Please repeat this with me. Imposter syndrome is a myth. At this point, Pause the episode and repeat, imposter syndrome is a myth. So there is really nothing wrong with me. 
there is nothing wrong with me. Another myth, that imposter syndrome is incurable. If this myth lives rent-free in your head, you're not alone. It targets everybody, men and women alike. This said, women have more tendency to talk about their feelings of inadequacy, but it is important that men step up and freely open up about theirs as well. There is this stigma around men that they are, well, men, and as such cannot express their feelings and emotions. So to all the men out there, I say, do not be ashamed of your emotions. Validate and acknowledge them. There is this article by Sonia McDonald that states that in Australia, quote, 42% of employees exhibit some symptoms of imposter syndrome, an increase from 30% of employees working in an office. 30% of employees on highly innovative teams said they experienced one or more signs of imposter syndrome, which dropped to just 24% on less innovative teams. In Saudi Arabia, imposter syndrome is associated with stress, anxiety, and depression. And no wonder this is the case. As I said earlier, the underlying theme of imposter syndrome is that we are never enough. And how do you know you might be suffering from imposter syndrome? I prepared a series of questions that I appreciate you taking time to reflect on. Please write the answers down. Writing creates a distance between you and your thoughts, which in turn allows you to reflect more objectively on them. Then take up the habit of journaling. Journaling allows you to recognize patterns in your self-talk and behaviors that directly impact your perception of yourself. But it also highlights your progress over time. These questions are not an assessment test. They help you recognize if you might be suffering from imposter syndrome, which is the first step to overcome it. It also helps you recognize if you are inadvertently contributing to other individuals' imposter syndrome. How so? That's because oftentimes we unintentionally promote imposter syndrome. For example, if you are a CEO, a manager, a teacher, a mom, dad, a friend, it's better that you ask yourself while listening to the questions, am I promoting imposter syndrome in my team, my students, my family, my entourage? What I'm saying essentially here is that even if we don't suffer from imposter syndrome, it is beneficial to ask these questions for the benefit of our career and personal life and those around us. And instead of a statement to which you'd agree or disagree, I've chosen on purpose open-ended questions that allow you to elaborate. I will repeat each question once and leave a 10-second margin for reflection. So even if the answer to these questions might be yes or no, it doesn't stop here. The idea, the aim of this exercise is to push you to think. Let's start. Question number one. Do I feel that I don't deserve any of the success I achieved? Do I feel that I don't deserve 
any of the success I achieved Question number two, do I feel I am not truly accomplished, although people genuinely highlight it? Do I feel I am not truly accomplished, although people genuinely highlight it? Question number three. Am I constantly afraid of failure and people's disappointment in me? Am I constantly afraid of failure and people's disappointment in me? Question number four. How do I feel when people give me compliments? How do I feel when people give me compliments? Question number five. Do I downplay my achievements? Do I downplay my achievements? Answer these questions as genuinely as possible. Do not be ashamed of how you are feeling. Now, from the perspective of a person in charge or in a position of power, I will adopt the same methodology. Repeat each question once and leave a 10-second margin for reflection. Question number one. Do I downgrade the achievements of people in my organization or on my team? Do I downgrade the achievements of people in my organization or on my team? Question number two. Do I genuinely praise people's skills or is it a negative force of habit? Do I genuinely praise people's skills or is it a negative force of habit? Question number three, do I make people feel like they did not earn the reward for their hard work? Do I make people feel like they did not earn the reward for their hard work? Question number four, do I make people feel less smart than they are? Do I make people feel less smart than they are? Question number five. Do I downplay other people's achievements or take credit for them? Do I downplay other people's achievements or take credit for them? I mean, what does saying I'm proud of you cost a project manager if they say it genuinely to their team after a sprint? Nothing. It's a word. 
but this word can move mountains for people who are internally struggling with imposter syndrome, a lack of self-confidence, and self-denigration. How much does it cost a parent to tell their kid, you did well, even when it's not an A grade? Nothing, but it means the world to a kid with learning difficulties. It means the world to a kid who has been diagnosed with ADHD or ADD. Are we highlighting people's shortcomings or are we striving to make them thrive? Are we actively playing our part in making this world a better place for ourselves and others 1% every day? Let's reflect on the deeper impact of the imposter syndrome issue. No matter what you accomplish, you are unable to enjoy your success. Deep down, where no one else goes, you perceive yourself as an imposter. You are constantly afraid that your incompetence will eventually be found out. This internal struggle could be related to a lack of confidence and the belief that your success is determined by factors out of your control, like luck or random events. But it could also be linked to a tremendous fear that you are not consistent enough to maintain success. Ownership of your achievements is like moving mountains, and so you get trapped in a loop of self-doubt and extreme self-criticism. And how do you react to this? You set the bar high, so high that it feels like you are in constant emotional labor. This comes from the thinking, who do I think I am to enjoy success, to be smart, to be enough? And so you play small and you're in the arduous dilemma where on the one extreme, you set the bar really high and on the other extreme, you play really small. And this is why it is important to put in the effort to correct this modus operandi. Another important point is that you are not responsible for how others make you feel. It is already enough that you are in charge of what you feel. So next time someone tries to downgrade you or your achievements, steer away from the conversation. More than often, they are projecting on you their perception of themselves. And you, you don't have to worry about that. You don't even need to fix it. I'll talk about this in detail in a future episode. But for now, let's take real-life examples of people whose career was affected by imposter syndrome and define the coping mechanism associated with each example. So I read about a young engineer's opinion of himself, which he posted on Reddit. He said, engineers and technicians trust me to create procedures to ensure I do not get them killed or hurt. I am a 25-year-old idiot. I should not be trusted with all this. I say bullshit and people just go with it. This language is self-sabotage. A senior academic told me that she was not applying for full professor tenure because she was not sure she deserved it, although she had dedicated her life to academia. And now she is willing to give up a hard-earned position to someone else who is probably not as competent as she is. This is the holding back coping mechanism. And let's say you are a writer. Why do you keep delaying publishing your book? because you're afraid of what people are going to say about it and about you. And this is the never start or finish coping mechanism. Do you see what's happening here? We literally 
are inducing trauma to ourselves. Now let's take it from a more subtle perspective. Let's talk about overworking. To older generations in my country, Lebanon, burnout is a key indicator of success. How many of us have heard our parents express their disapproval of remote work, working from home, and other nomadic professional lifestyles because they can't comprehend it from a stressful point of view? How many times have we had a manager that required their employees to work a full nine to five instead of trusting they can do their work appropriately and more efficiently in less time. Overworking ourselves is a coping mechanism associated with the imposter syndrome, that if we do not overload ourselves with work, we're not producing and therefore we're not enough. One way to tackle this is to not waste your anxiety on anything else but imminent danger. It's like thinking, is this jeopardizing me at this very moment? Take the habit of asking yourself when you are in a self-doubting situation. Self-criticism, self-denigration. Is this jeopardizing me at this very moment? Let me give you an insight into how to think about imminent danger and imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard of the known unknown matrix? It is deducted from a strategy analysis technique called the Johari Window. The Johari Window was created by two American psychologists, Joseph Loft and Harrington Ingham, to help people better understand their relationship with themselves and others. Don't worry about the strategic part right now as it isn't our focus today. We'll come back at it later when I talk about randomness, which is one of my all-time favorite topics. For now, it is important to understand what the known unknown matrix is about. There are things we know we know. These are known knowns. There are things we know we don't know. These are known unknowns. There are things we don't know that we know. These are unknown knowns. But then there are things we don't know that we don't know. And these are the unknown unknowns. And because we don't know that we don't know these things, call them danger, risks, fears, future things, but they're not imminent. We have a 50-50 chance. Either it works, either it doesn't. I would have described this as a known unknown, but it is precisely an unknown unknown because you will be amazed at the outcome of your effort. And your mission is to transform this unknown imminent danger or risk into a known risk that you can anticipate, analyze, and work around. If the transition to a known known risk is hard as a first step, try transitioning to a known unknown risk. There could be a 50% negative risk, but then again, there could be a 50% positive risk. Why wouldn't the engineer bet on his efficient skills despite his young age? Why wouldn't the associate professor bet on her merit for tenure? Why wouldn't the writer bet on their success, on the success of their book, of their story? Wouldn't you bet on the better 50% of yourself? Write this on a piece of paper. Keep it somewhere close to you. 
take it out whenever you need to and say out loud, I bet on the better 50% of myself. I bet on the better 50% of myself. I bet on the better 50% of myself. Be curious about who your better 50% is. Curiosity is about connection and genuinely wanting to know about other people. But first and foremost, let us be curious about ourselves. Moral reasoning becomes better when we talk openly and listen to other people's stories, but also when we listen to our inner voice. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Let's wrap it up. One, imposter syndrome is a myth that lives rent-free in your head. It's high time you got rid of it. Two, watch out for these coping mechanisms. Self-sabotage, holding back, never start or finish, and overworking. And three, gradually transform your unknown unknowns into known knowns. Keep these in mind because next time I'll go over very unconventional, out-of-the-box techniques to deal with imposter syndrome. Thank you for listening to the Human Factor Podcast. Please help the podcast reach the widest audience possible. Rate it five stars, subscribe, and share. Episodes are available on Spotify, Anagami, and Apple Podcasts and are out every Thursday. Would you like to tell your story? This is a free speech platform with no filters added. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear you. See you next time.